Psalm 145. Just, uh, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise the works, thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and, and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee, and they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou, thou openest thine hand, and satisfiest the desire of every living thing the lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works the lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him he will also hear their cry and will save them the lord preserveth all them that love him but all the wicked will he destroy my mouth shall speak the, pra thy, the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Thank you. God is faithful. I do believe we're going to see some very troubling things shortly ahead of us. The Bible said, if you go to, to Matthew 24, he said, you will, you'll see earthquakes and pestilence and, and these things. And we're seeing them intensify uh, in the time that we live. But the Lord is saying, why are you troubled? Have you not read that I said these days would come? I believe with all my heart that we're living in the very last of the last days. I think all indications show it. I think of prophecies that had been fulfilled over the 2,000 years since Christ. And you could count them on one hand. But I want you to know that after 1948, when Israel became a nation again, God cursed that tree. And the tree is a metaphor for Israel because Israel had no fruit. He cursed that tree, and it was dried from the root up. It didn't happen immediately. The next day or a couple of days later, they go by and find that the tree that he had cursed was dead. And he said, that this, he said when this tree buds again, speaking, of course, metaphorically of Israel, he said, when this tree buds again, he said, that generation should not pass, but come under the wrath of God. 
And I want you to know this since 1948, we've been seeing prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled. And we're seeing what's going on in the world. And I want you to know something God said for us. He said, when you see these times come, look up and rejoice for the Lord is coming soon. And I know there's a lot of young people. I remember hearing an end time message when I was young. And, and I said, I, but I ain't been married yet. And I haven't had my drivers. You know, I, I don't want the Lord to come. I want you to know something. If the Lord comes tonight, you can know that what's in heaven is much grander than anything that you would ever think of on this earth. Heaven is not a place where we're going to eat Milky Ways and play harps and float on clouds. He- heaven is going going to be a place when you look at all that God has created I want you to know he is the greatest artist and what we have found and in my sermon I'll get ahead a little bit here but what you will find is all the stars that are of the heavens and all that that that, that is in the firmament God created everything. He spoke and it was done. But when he created you, he he did not speak you into existence. You're the only creation. Humanity was created differently than everything else. The Bible said he spoke in animals where he spoke in trees and and, and water and, and, and light. And all of that was because he spoke. But when he made a man, he did something different. The Bible said he got down into the ground and he grabbed the dust of the of the earth and he formed it and he breathed into it and he gave it life I want you to know the breath of God is in each and every human being we may say why is it that if people reject Jesus that they will go into eternal suffering I will tell you why because the breath of God is in him and that breath will never die and the Bible said what you choose is what you will receive and we have to understand, God said he repented he ever made man. What, what was he saying? Is it he's on a learning curve? No. But he understood the pain. He understood the pain. He said about Judas, he said it would have been better that that man never lived than to have lived and betray me and die the way that he did. And Jesus doesn't exaggerate. I want you to know something. Life is the greatest thing that God could ever give you. When he lit you into this world, I want you to know that he put his glory, he put his breath in you. And each and every one of us that would look to Jesus who paid the penalty that we can walk and live in freedom is the greatest thing. I'll tell you, I'm 63 years old. My wife and I have been married be 40 years this May. And I've been here for 30 years, but I want you to know something. Life is a privilege. Life is a blessing. And we can know him. In Psalm 145, uh, it is a psalm of David in celebration of all God has done for those who, who, who have uh, gone through the trials and testings. You know something? that The only way we can know God is a deliverer is if we need deliverance. The only way you'll ever know God is a deliverer is that you need deliverance. How many of what we need to be delivered from this wretched old world? And we need to be delivered into the glorious presence of God. I want to talk about the goodness of God. One of my uh, things, and and maybe it became a little repetitive for me, is is God is good. 
I had a man to say to me one time, if you say that one more time, he said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuke you. And I said, well, cough up that demon. God is good. You can never say that. He is good. You know, the character of God. We know that when Jesus, uh, when the, Jesus gave the parable uh, uh, that he gave each one a talent, and one went and made ten talents with that talent. One went and made five talents with that talent. And the other heard his talent. The one that had made ten talents said, I'll give you seven, uh, uh, ten cities in which to govern. To the other, he said, you've had made five talents. I'll give you five cities in which to govern. But to the one man, he said to him, he said, you slothful servant, why have you not invested the money that I have given you? You know, every one of us have a talent today that we can invest in the kingdom of God. And this is what the man said. He said, I, I know that you are a hard man and that you took what wasn't yours. You imagine a thinking of God like that? What I want you to understand is we need to understand who he is. We need to know him. Because if you don't know him, you won't know how to serve him. We spoke last Sunday about the fact that if you laid on the floor and you grabbed your belt and you tried to lift it off the floor, you could not do that because of gravity and because you don't have any leverage. But I want you to know that when we say, Lord, I want to love you more, it's just like doing that if you don't study the Word of God. Because the Bible says uh, that, it, that you shall know the truth, and the truth not only will it make you free, but it will bring you into a greater revelation of who he is. And the more I know him, the more I love him. And, Lord, that's the discipline that God puts into every one of our lives, that we would study to show ourselves a workman unto God, not needing to, uh, to be slothful, but knowing the word, that we not be ashamed in that day. Psalms 145.9, it says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. In Psalms 34.8, Oh, test and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. In Psalms 107, 8 and 9, Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful work to the children uh, of uh, men. For he satisfieth and longeth and longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. God is the source of everything that is good. James says it very well in James 1.17. He said, For every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from heaven above. And it cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. I want you to know that God wants to bless you today. In fact, Peter took it another step further. He said, when you came to know the Lord, you, you received everything. You, all the gifts of God have been placed in you. And then somebody would say, well, if I have all these gifts, how come I, how come I don't feel them? Or how come I don't experience them? I want you to know, he said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It makes me to think of the man that sailed across the sea. And he was coming to the United States as the first person to establish a household for his family to come. 
and his mother uh, helped him, and she packed him a lunch, and, and it was a, a, some crackers, saltines, and a few things, and a little bit of milk. And she said, this has got to last you for 45 days, son. Be careful with it. And for all of those days crossing that ocean, he would eat a little bit of cracker and drink some milk until the milk became so soured it was almost intolerable for him to drink. About five days before they hit the shores of the United States, he was so hungry and somebody noticed that he was losing weight. And he said to the man, he says, oh, he said, what is wrong? He said, well, I've run out of crackers and my milk has become too curdled to drink. And they said, do you have a ticket? And he showed him his ticket. Didn't you know that came with all the free meals? You know, sometimes in life we, we, we suffer needlessly. We suffer because we don't realize the, 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 the benefits that God has given us. We live on meager rations when we should be blessed. He said to the disciples when they said, oh, they have nothing to eat. And he looked at them. He said, how long shall I tarry with you? Weren't you with me when I took the few fishes and a few loaves and I fed the multitudes? When will you get it that I am able to sustain you and I am able to give you what you need in life? So many families I see today, they're living under a curse. They're living under a financial curse. And it, and, and it doesn't matter how much they make. It seems like it just runs away. Something keeps coming up to rob them. I want you to know that God has a remedy to that. We need to begin to speak to that financial mountain. We need to say, Lord, I am blessed in you, and I come against those robbing spirits. Remember John 10.10. 10. The devil is a kleptomaniac. That's my version. The devil, that's all he knows is to steal. He'll steal your kids. He'll steal your money. He'll steal your, everything about you. And that's when we have to say, Lord, I'm tired of him. The Bible said when the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he said, I will raise up a standard against him. Do you know what that standard is? It's the small shield on the right arm of the Roman soldier. Paul used a lot of uh, metaphors that, that uh, dealt with Roman uh, vesture. And he said he would raise up a standard. How many know when Jesus raises up a standard, he can block what the enemy wants to destroy? Father, we love you. Lord, we look to you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you. I think of the goodness of God that will allow uh, something positive happen out of a negative situation. You know, I can think of, of my childhood. My dad was a chronic alcoholic. He would beat my mother. I mean, we, we lived in chaos. State police come in, and, and they beat him uh, one night because of something he did I don't even know about. But what I'm telling you is out of brokenness, God can make something great. I'm not saying that I'm great. But what I am saying is that God can take something that is broken, and he can rescue it. And you know why he does that? He puts that up so that everybody would know it isn't Bob. It's me that is in him. And the thing that we need to understand and realize is God raises us up out of brokenness, out of despair, out of hunger, out of thirst. 
he said to the woman at the well, he said to the woman, he says, do you know if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again? But if you will drink of the water that I shall give you, you shall never thirst. And she said, but you have no, nothing to dip with. She didn't understand it. But he begun to tell her about her life. He says, uh, go and tell your husband. She said, well, uh, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you've spoken well. He said, you've had four husbands, and the man you're living with now was not your husband. And she was so amazed. You know why? Because she was a Samaritan, and he was a Jew, and a Jew looked at a Samaritan like they were dogs. But she loved him. He or should I say he loved her. And it impressed her so much. She was the first evangelist I've seen in the New Testament. The Bible said she went into her city and she begun to tell everybody. She said, come and meet this man that told me all I had ever done. And they're thinking, he talked to her. We all know what you've done. And so it intrigued them. And so they came out uh, to see him. And there was the Messiah, the one that could give them hope. And I'll tell you, he is the only hope that we have today. We can't look to a Republican Party. We can't look to a Democratic Party. We can't look to those things. We need to look to Jesus. In Psalm 73, 28, it said, But as far as, uh, as for me, God's presence or the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of thy works. I think of the nearness of God and to be intimate with him. You know, how, how are we intimate with him? Some people believe that to join a church and to be a part of a group is, is all there is to it. I want you to know he wants us to know him. Do you know that many shall come in his name and say, have we not cast out devils? Have we not spoken in tongues? Have we not done these things? And he's going to say, I never knew you, you children of sin. And I don't mean that to be a downer. I am saying we can walk with him. The Bible said that God walked with Adam in the cool of the morning. We can walk with him. We can fellowship with Jesus. Religion is not the... I've had people, well, I don't go to church. I can't take that religion. It's not about religion. It's about a personal relationship with one who died and rose again for you. We're coming into Easter season. It is a season to celebrate the fact that God arose from the dead. He, in Colossians, I said he was the first begotten of all the sons. What does that mean? I know the Jehovah's Witness said to me one time, that means he was created. No, it doesn't. You don't. You err in the scripture. The Bible says that Jesus became flesh. And he died and he rose again. He was the first resurrection. All of us are the resurrection after him. Because we have in baptism, we have raised again to a new life in Jesus Christ. He said, behold, old things are passed away and all things become new in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Think about salvation. He said, I throw your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. I remember an old uh, 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 D.L. Moody uh, film on science. 
and what they showed you in science that if you went out, uh, you know, uh, a, a thousand years, well, more than that, way out, you would look back and you could see what happened in the past. In fact, when a star that falls, that might have fell, fallen 10,000 years ago, and yet you're just seeing it because it took that long for that light to travel and hit your eye. Do you know that when God said, I throw it in the sea of forgiveness, he's actually going out in the distance and washing it all away. The miracle of what God does for you and for me because he loves us. Because he, But you see, Satan, he hates God's family. He hates humanity. He convinces men that they're women. He does everything he can to distort what God hath created so that he can mock them. I'm going to tell you, if you see a man dressed like a woman, love him. Because it's a spirit that has come upon them to disgrace them. You know, sometimes religious folk like to just look at them and scowl at them. I want to tell you, that's the last thing they need. They need the love of Jesus. See, that's what Satan does. He, 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 he manipulates and he perverts what God has created so that he can go back and laugh in God's faith and say, look what I've done with your creation. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible said that the snake came. The first question you'll ever hear in the Bible was the question that was posed by the devil himself. Did God say? Did you hear him? Well, my husband told me he said. Well, how do you know you believe that? Don't you doubt it? Don't you see that this, this fruit is, is, is good to eat? See, the temptation, you know why he did that? Because right from the beginning, he wanted to disgrace everything that God had created. That's his job. That's what he does. He'll disgrace you if he can. He'll get you into perversion if he can. He'll break you if he can. But I want you to know something, that God came to, that we might have love, life, and that much more abundantly. I think of the stars. Scientists estimate that there are 76 trillion stars. You know what that is? That's 70,000 million, million, million. That is seven followed by 22 zeros. You want to count that today? He said there's that many stars. And yet in Psalms 147, it said, he telleth, he telleth the number of the stars, and he calleth them all by their names. I think he's a better mathematician than we are. <laughs> I get confused some when I run out of fingers, I have to take my shoes off. <laughs> and we're living in a lazy world where we've used calculators so long that that, that even if people just uh -huh. <laughs> but not only that, but God counts the numbers of the hairs on every person's head head in the world. And Luke 12, 7 says, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He said, fear not, therefore, for ye are more valuable than many sparrows. 
Do you know the sparrow was the most uncomely bird? And he even went down to the most uncomely. A sparrow, you know, they're brown and white. and Yeah, it's a sparrow. But even that, he said, you are more beautiful than a bunch of sparrows. You are beautiful in the sight of God. You are precious in the sight of the Lord. You were so precious that he bankrupt heaven that you might be redeemed and that you might live forever and walk and live with him. The Bible says that to them that overcome, and what does it mean by overcome? It means to receive Jesus Christ and to stand in him, to come out from among them in the world and, and to keep yourself separate before the holy of the Lord. And he said, I will grant you to sit with me and you shall rule with a rod of iron. Do you know the Lord's going to come back? And John the Revelator, he looked up and he saw the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven and he said he looks like he looks like the uh, like the, uh, the the you know the the bride clothed and adorned you know that's who we are the Bible said we'll come back with him when he puts his foot upon the Mount of Olives it said there'll be a 200 million man army that will come up against and I believe this is where the Antichrist will sit on the throne of David that again is the European the European uh, world uh, world order and I believe that China <coughs> thank you I believe that China is going to bring this 200 million man army down to the valley of of Jehoshaphat down to the valley to come up against again this European world order and Israel. And God is going to come down and he's bringing us with him. And he's going to put his foot upon the Mount of Olives. And the Bible said it will be split in two. That's how miraculous it will be. Thank you. <laughs> God is good, but I got to have this water. When I was 40 years old, I could stretch that voice for a long time, but it doesn't stretch too much now. But what you have to understand is he said during the millennial reign of Christ, the, 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 the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the bride of Christ will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. He's going to restore the earth to its Garden of Eden existence. And it's going to be a wonderful time. That's called the millennial reign. The word millennial just, mean, just means a thousand years. This is the miraculous of God. And this is who we serve. And this is what God has for each and every one of us. In Jeremiah 30, uh, 31.3, and I know I'm going to shorten it up here. The Lord has appeared to me, uh, appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I've heard people say, Well, I found the Lord. No, you didn't. He found you. And you need to thank God for that. Because it was the Spirit of the Lord that awakened you to the hunger to come to, to, to church or to come to Christ. And to receive him. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians twelve nine. We see his grace. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
I need a tissue. Uh, way over here. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than in the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I believe that God has spoken to a lot of you, and you've said, who, me? What can I do? Gideon said this when, they, when God spoke to him. He said, I need to educate you, God. How many know some people like to educate God? We know Peter did it. So he, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, he said, don't you know who I am? He said, my, my family is the poorest family in all of Israel. And he said, and I got one more on you. I'm poorer than them. Because God called him a great man of valley. You know, that's what God's speaking to you today. He's telling you that you, there's greatness within you, that I birthed within you. Stop letting the devil browbeat you. We, we interviewed a, a pastor yesterday, Pastor Chadwick. And, and he began, uh, uh, what is the IC? ICP. And, 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 and a group of, of guys said, we're going to go over to India and we're going to minister. And guess what? None of them got their, their um, passports but him. He's on a plane all by himself. What am I going to do in India? <laughs> I mean, I didn't sign up for this. And he goes to India without a plan. He, what do I do when I get to India? God put the ministry before him. I'm going to tell you what. When you, God ministers while you're making plans. You don't need to make plans. You need to trust him. He's, and I can go on and on through the patriarchs in the Bible and who they were. They were nobody spectacular, but God used them. I'm going to end right with this. And that is that God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And God said, I've given you the strength. I've given you the power. But he said many don't use it because they don't realize it or they don't understand it. He said, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed. Do you ever see the grain of a mustard seed? It's smaller than a grain of pepper. He said, because the grain of mustard seed, when it's put in the ground, it will root and make a huge uh, a plant. And he said, I want you to know that by faith, you will and can overcome the, the adversary in your life. Satan is looking. The Bible said he's like a roaring lion going to, fruit, to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Alcoholism, drug addiction, fentanyl, all of these horrible things. You know what? Because the devil is a killer. But God said, I came to give you life. I came to give you the power as parents to speak over your children with the power of the Holy Spirit. I've come, I've come to, to teach you how to speak to that which is not as though at war and to see it happen. 
In the Western culture, we've turned church into a social gathering rather than a gathering of powerful eagles that God hath ordained and set apart to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I want to end with this. God has given us one of his love attributes is grace. He's given us the grace. And as Paul said, I found in weakness, I found the power of his strength. And I want you to know that Gideon, he, he told him to assemble an army and he get thousands of men. And God said, you, got too, you have too many. He narrowed it down to 300 men, but the Bible said that the enemy on the other side were, were, were more numerous than the sands of the sea. I'm, I'm talking about that numerous. And you look at it in the natural and you say, there's no way that I can do this. And God said, if you listen to me and you, and you do exactly as I tell you, I will, give you the, I will give you the instructions that will give you the power over the enemy. And Gideon did just as he was told. How many know we need to hear God and we need to obey him? Remember what Samuel said to Saul. He said it's, more, it, 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 it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. He obeyed God, and God narrowed his army down to 300. In other words, he made sure that Gideon knew that it was impossible. And yet when they went out and did as the Lord had said, it confused the enemy, and they turned on each other and fell on their own swords and, flew, and, and, they, and they fled and when Gideon went into the camp, it was empty. Or with dead people, they turned on their own swords. They were so confused. And God said, I can turn the enemy into confusion just like that. He said to, the, he said to, to Ezekiel, he said, when he took him up on the pinnacle and he looked down at all the dry bones. He said, what do you see, Ezekiel? Ezekiel said, I see dry bones. He said, Ezekiel, do you believe that they can live again? Ezekiel looked at him and said, thou knowest, Lord. He said, speak to the bones. Now, you, you, you've probably heard people say, if God wanted to do it, he'd good it. No, he won't do it. He delegated it. I think of Dan this morning, he arranged the book, and I went and touched one. Uh-oh, that was delegated to Dan. Do you understand what I'm saying? God does not touch what he delegates. He needed Ezekiel. And he said, Ezekiel, speak to those bones. And Ezekiel spoke to the bones. And the Bible said the sinew and, and, and all in the flesh came upon the bones and they lived again. You know what that was? A prophecy of Israel in 1948. We saw it come to pass. The dry bones lived again. Would you stand with me, please, before I think of another story? <laughs> but God is good, and he's faithful, and he loves you. And I want you to know this. God is going to move mountains. But we can't leave a politician out there all by himself to be harassed by courts and all that. We need to start standing up and saying, in the name of Jesus, we come against the evil, not people. We fight not against flesh and blood. It isn't Democrats or, or, or Republicans. It is the spirit of Satan we come against in the name of Jesus. 
that will cause this nation to be free again. Do you believe you can do that? Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Ask my wife if she'd close in prayer. Amen. You come and play too.